With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 11 o'clock. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you. Here in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios, bit of a busy morning in regards to things going on with the coaching staff here at South Carolina. We'll start off with the news that just broke within the last hour. Uh, tight ends coach Jody Wright expected to uh, leave the current staff and head off to Murray State to take over the head coaching job for the uh, the Murray State Racers and, uh, again, kind of start a, a chain of moving things around as far as your coaching staff um, goes. First of all, I mean, congratulations, Jody Wright. That's a big deal. Obviously taking a head coaching gig for a, a Murray State team that's in a very tough Missouri Valley Conference out there in the FCS with the likes of South Dakota State, who just won the championship the other day, North Dakota State, a perennial national championship contender. Um, so uh, best of luck to him. But, um, again, another position change or coaching change being made within South Carolina's uh, staff. Yeah, awesome opportunity for him. Like you said, very happy for Jody. Um, probably one of the most approachable guys you'll ever meet in college football, I feel like. Uh, you know, just downright hilarious as well. And, you know, I'll be curious to see what staff he puts together there just because, I mean, you want to talk about a football head. I mean, Jody knows, like, everybody, <laughs> I think. So, um. Happy for him again. I think, obviously, South Carolina will get into it. South Carolina kind of already had been anticipating this potentially happening and had been working through their options there. But, you know, Jody Agops here for two years, did a good job, uh, you know, as a recruiter, sort of bringing some different ties to some other areas, particularly, you know, I would say bringing some ties to Alabama, Mississippi. And, um, you know, yeah, just happy for Jody, man. You made a good point, Tyler. He is stepping into, uh, as I had someone put it to me in the morning, that the the SEC of FCS basically like this is this is not going to be an easy job. And I think they went what they went two games last year. Yeah, two and nine. So they're a little, you know, they're a little behind. And uh, now the good news is uh, they opened the season at Missouri, so they'll they'll, <laughs> they'll get. Good, good, easy, good, easy right start. Off, right off the bat, their their first game against Missouri, and they actually go to Kroger Field to play Kentucky too. Wow, so double dose in the SEC. So they'll keep the SEC flavor, but um, didn't their coach just take an off the field job at Kentucky? He, he quote unquote retired and then took a job at Kentucky. Yes, director of Hood. player development at Kentucky, Dean Hood. Dean Hood, yep, and he had ties to Mark Stoops. So yeah, I mean, this is situation where actually the Murray State athletics director was on staff at Louisiana when they hired Billy Napier. And I, I think they actually had interviewed several candidates. But, you know, Jody Wright's a guy that, like you said, Wes, he's he's well-connected. He's well-regarded in the business. He has a lot of SEC experience. He's worked for some great coaches. He's got NFL experience. And I think this is someone that kind of fits that mold of when people are looking at not just, hey, who's – Who's some big-name coordinator, right? This is a guy that I think you you hire because he understands 
organizational structure and recruiting. This is someone that's been on Nick Saban's staff as a recruiting guy, you know, building high school relationships, player personnel, evaluations. And so, obviously, you know, um, have his work cut out for him. Normally, that's the case in any school. If there's a coach that's fired, there's a reason for it. Or if a coach walks away because the results haven't been there like Dean Hood presumably did, you know, you got your work cut out for you. It's a tough deal. Um, They do have an NIL collective, I found out this morning. So that'll be another aspect of this. But, yeah, good for Jody. And um, that now leaves technically two positions open on South Carolina's offensive staff. Quickly, do you guys know where Murray State is located? What state? It's not in the state of Murray. (laughs) No kidding. Uh, It is in Kentucky, right? That is correct. Yeah. What were you going to say, Wes? We're not going to say what I was going to (laughs) say. I actually did know it's in Kentucky, but I second-guessed myself. Then I was like, is it in? I had it in Tennessee for some reason. I don't know. I I mean, that's close. Yeah, Yeah, close Not far off. It sounds like a school from Ohio. It does. Which is also, you know, know, it's also funny because the Missouri Valley Football Conference is expanded way past the Missouri Valley now. They have, like, Youngstown State, the Dakota schools in there. Like, it's all over the place. Like you said, it's pretty much the SEC of FCS where, like, I think six of their teams are in the top, you know, like, 15 rankings this year obviously South Dakota State winning the national championship the other day so um you know definitely gonna be an uphill battle for him going out there but uh, again best of luck to Jody Wright and um we'll certainly keep an eye on what he's able to do out there with Murray State yeah like Chris said he is from the Nick Saban school of recruiting and so I I expect he'll he'll get that recruiting operation going and obviously you're doing it at, at a different level but a lot of the stuff that applies to the way Saban operates and that in terms of just how you structure your recruiting staff and, and how you approach that, uh, you know, I, I would think still applies at that level as well. So, you know, I, I think he'll he'll do a good job there. I think he'll get some players. And, uh, you know, as always, it's going to be about who can you who can get in there on their, your staff. And I, I do think he'll have a, a head up just because he's so well-liked and um, – knows so many people so that that'll be that'll be very interesting and again good luck to jody um just very very well liked around here hard to find hard to find anybody that's, that has a bad thing to say about him so that leaves an opening at the tight end coach as in addition to obviously the running backs coach with martino hardesty being relieved a week ago which you know makes the timing of the other coaching announcement um from overnight very interesting with james coley coming in as an offensive assistant we don't know what his official role is going to be yet he could certainly slide into that tight ends coaching job um filling you know the hole left behind by jody wright but bringing in another guy that's been around college football for a very long time been in oc at georgia florida state miami and just most recently on jimbo fisher staff out there at texas a&m but somebody that's just been around the college game for a very long time and regardless of what position he's going to be coaching or what role he's going to have within this team just another good mind to have within the room yeah potentially more shuffling around as far as responsibilities go but I I think obviously when you bring in a a James Coley this is somebody with quite a bit of experience at the power five level a ace recruiter has been in what I like to call those big boy recruiting battles and and has won a lot of them and you know I, I think don't don't get too far ahead of yourself but also if you're a Gamecock fan go go look at that list um you know we work with on three but credit where it's due that 24 7 all-time recruits 
list, that thing's a nice resource. And, you know, granted, those have been at at Blue Blood, big-time programs, a lot of them, but still, I mean, the list of just five stars that have been connected to James Coley during his career, it's insane. So, you know, I I think for South Carolina, very – this is not one that's hard to sell, you know. Like yeah. people, he's he's actually one of the few assistants out there that college football fans, other than like the ones for their, your particular school, you've you've actually heard of them. Yeah. You know? So just to run through some of those five stars from his time at Georgia: George Pickens, um, Tyson Campbell, Isaiah Wilson. Going back to his time at Florida State, Nick O'Leary, who's a great tight end on that national championship team a decade ago. Not to mention just a list of four-star guys as well. So again, this is a guy that's been an integral part of bringing in really good talent at various Power Five programs. And South Carolina, obviously, doing a very good job recruiting in their own right in these past couple years under Beamer, bringing in another guy that has a rapport um, in general uh, around the nation, being a good recruiter. That's only going to help further things. Um, adding him to the staff yeah Coley a a lot of experience a lot of versatility um, regarded as one of those elite recruiters and yes has done it at some blue blood type programs right but the the point is he's done it and and so he understands and I think he's a guy that can understand and and be effective in this new era too of college football you know Shamar Stewart from A&M's another one I think you mentioned Tyson Campbell, LaMarcus Joyner. I mean, James Cook. I mean, a lot of big-time players. And if you if you look at where a lot of these guys are from, whether he recruited them to Georgia, FSU, Miami, or A&M, one of the common denominators is there, there are a lot of South Florida guys mm-hmm. on that list. And um, he's from Miami originally. He spent time on Miami's staff. He knows that landscape. Um, he's a guy that's still – youthful you know he's I think he's 50 turned 51 this year and he and Beamer are familiar with each other you know when uh, 2016 and 2017 staff Kirby Smart's first staff James Coley was the receivers coach and Beamer coached tight ends so these guys have coached together for a couple years he's got positional versatility big time recruiter um, has been an OC too but previously and um, you know one thing to keep in mind Tyler you mentioned hey he could slide right in you know there's still we're still tracking all that. There's flexibility here on the offensive staff with what could happen. So I don't think anybody needs to make some assumptions based on, you know, the events of this morning that Coley's just sliding right into that spot. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But we do know he, he, he will be on the staff. And I think that's a really good get for South Carolina because – he, he's a guy that knows how to acquire talent, you know, which is the name of the game. And, and regardless of what role he ends up, you know, sliding into here at South Carolina. Think about the fact that when he's been around college football pretty much his entire coaching tenure outside of two years when he was with the the Dolphins with um you know with Nick Saban. But those years as the OC at Florida State, at Miami, at Georgia, I think about, you know, Dow Loggins, who's now coming off of his first year as an offensive play caller in college football. And, you know, there's still some things to learn and differences between the NFL game and the college football game where somebody like that, just having another mind that you can lean on and get some perspective on who's been around the college game calling plays for a long time can only further help somebody like Dow Loggins going into year number two as the OC yeah and I, I mean I, I think experience in in that realm experience in the recruiting realm all these things I, I think I think every staff needs to have balance in terms of those things and so 
for, you know, for every young up-and-comer you hire, you know, maybe, and not, like Chris said, 50 is not, he's not old, but he is experienced. And so, you know, I, I think for him, being the number of places that Coley has been at and had success at, uh, you're going to bring a wealth of knowledge. Just, hey, hey, this is how we did it here. This is how we did it there. And, you know, so I, I think that applies to all aspects of this. And I, But I, I just keep going back to the fact that he has been in these battles. And can, can he open – can he open South Florida for you? Uh, I mean, that that's my question. I mean, I think he's going to get you in the door. It's going to be more difficult to land some of these guys, but I look at that. That's an area at times South Carolina has had success. At times, um, you know, that, that door has been kind of closed to South Carolina. So he, he's certainly going to open the door. And it's one of those things, even if you can just maybe count on, hey, you're going to land two or three guys from South Florida per class, kind of per cycle, then, you know, that that could go a long way in, in adding talent. In some ways, you're maybe trading in some of the Jody Wright, Alabama, Mississippi ties mm-hmm. for some South Florida ties. You know, I guess T-Rob had some success down there getting South Carolina in the door with guys. And, um, you know, I, I would look for that to potentially start back. Who's the last? impactful guy that South Carolina signed from South Florida. Trying to go back in my head real quick. I'm having to use our old commitment list. Now, there there are a couple. They did sign Kelton Henderson, who I think more accurately, Tyler, you're our geography expert. Southwest Florida in Fort Myers. Uh Uh-huh. That's, yeah. That's Southwest. That's not Miami. That's not, yeah, you're not the tip of Florida, but you're going in in that Eh, general direction. It's South. I think they call it Southwest. Yeah, sure, close enough, but close yeah, enough. it's not that, it's not Miami. It, it's, it's not, not and, Coral and, and and you're talking about one of the most talent rich areas in the entire nation in Miami, and certainly one that South Carolina would love to get more of a, a foothold in, um, which potentially James Coley could could certainly open up doors with. So we'll see what happens in regards to that, and we'll have plenty more on this as it uh, continues to develop. Real quick though, it is Wednesday, almost lunchtime. Sub of the day waiting for you at Firehouse Subs. It is a sub of the day at the Firehouse Subs. 14 Midlands locations and locations all around the state. Today's sub of the day, one of our favorites. Wes, I don't remember where it ranks. I think it has been moved from the number one spot, the New York Steamer, because you've got the brisket number one. Is that yeah, right? Brisket with bacon. Yeah, has re it's reclaimed reclaimed the number one spot. Steamer, probably two right now. Still number two. Number two. It's still great. You can go get it. Special deal. Walk into any of the Midlands Firehouse Subs locations and you can get it. You can also order any of your Firehouse Subs favorites, firehousesubs.com, or use the Rapid Rescue, firehousesubs.com, or the app. Earn yourself some rewards for future purchases. Have your sub waiting on you when you walk in. Or the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs next here on The Game. Said by Firehouse Subs, Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you on this Wednesday morning. Again, reacting to the, the news in the morning with uh, things going on within South Carolina's coaching staff revolving around uh, James Coley coming in as a role on the offense and Jody Wright leaving for the head coach out at Murray State. Real quick, want to thank you as always for watching on the Game TV. Thanks to our friends at Integrated Media for setting that up there, as well as you can tune in on the 107.5 The Game app. Just head over to your respective app store, uh, whether it be the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, and download the 107.5 
the game app and listen to us wherever you go. And you know, getting back to this conversation that we were having about, you know, Coley and obviously his ties when it comes to recruiting, talking about the area of South Florida, and this is an interesting conversation to have, you know, because again, South Carolina would like to have more of a football down there. When you're ranking areas around the country, and there are certain states that are just great across the board, the Georgias, the Texas, stuff like that, but South Florida is definitely up there. If you had to rank like areas of the country as far as top talent, South Florida, where does that fall in your opinion of like rankings wise? It's up there, man. I mean, you see a lot of years, um, those every year at least one media organization does one of those. Here's the high school slash state that produces the most, you know, NFL per capita. Right. Um, you know, South Carolina's typically been up there. Do, do you actually know, Tyler, I, I pulled this up and am cheating um, to your question, but back in September, um, the NFL, playfootball.nfl.com actually put this out. Could y'all guess the high school city that has the most NFL players? Going to guess Miami. Lamar, South Carolina. This was going from on to kickoff weekend rosters back in September. I would assume Miami. West guesses Lamar, South Carolina. They were not. Lamar per capita, like, has put out more dudes than anywhere on the planet for football. And what's the population of Lamar? 12. Okay, sounds about right. (laughs) I think Miami's a little bigger than that. The the correct answer. This is just total. Just total. Sorry, I zoned out. Um. What what is the correct answer? It was Detroit, Michigan. Really, Detroit, Michigan uh, had nineteen uh, opening day roster players in the NFL last year. That was followed by Bradenton, Florida. Mm. Is that a suburb of Miami? That's Bradenton is Tampa ish. Yeah. Okay. Is that right? Yep. Um, and then Miami was six on the list. Fourteen. Atlanta. Tyler, getting in, getting into your. A little more into your neck of the woods. 14. So Bradenton is south of Tampa, so we'll qualify that as South Florida. Oh, okay. And Tampa was on this list, too. Actually, South Carolina, no city in South Carolina was on this list, although South Carolina did have 39 natives, which would have ranked it in the top, I don't know, top top 15, conservatively. Texas and then Florida, one and two. So to your point, Tyler, that was a long-winded you know, way to answer your question. For the state of Florida, obviously a big state, obviously a lot of football talent, and South Florida has a lot of it. And it is an area that, like, it makes sense if you're the University of South Carolina to go down. Can you get a couple guys from there? Because there's players to be had, and there's players that maybe Florida State, Miami, Florida might overlook. We, sure. We've seen coaches in those states when they've been head coach overlook some guys because they get kind of the googly eyes that oh here's this kid from North Carolina or you know Texas or wherever and it's like well how about this kid you know right in your backyard and and you can go steal a couple of those guys Wes and I were talking during the break I mean a couple guys that we thought of Chris Lamonts who was from Plantation in the 2014 class was a good player for South Carolina Rashad Fenton from the 2015 class ended up being you know, a guy for South Carolina, an NFL player. So if you're the Gamecocks, it makes sense. Start in your geographic region. Start with South Carolina, the DMV. Shane Beamer said it often. Guys up there, they have ties, and you're the closest SEC school right now to 
Washington, D.C. and Virginia and a lot of those places. Um, but you do, you're not going to be able to take 20 kids from your own state if you're in South Carolina. And so you got to go to the DMV and you need to do better in North Carolina and you can go to Georgia. And then South Florida is an area that's got a lot of guys. So I certainly expect in the days and weeks after the James Coley hire becomes official, I think Wes and I are going to be tracking, oh, here's a name from South Florida that now has an offer and maybe it might visit. And let me ask you guys this question. When we talk about a certain coach having prowess in a certain area of the country, whether it be the DMV, whether it be South Florida, and again, James Coley, a South Florida guy from Miami, you know, coached at Florida State, coached in Miami, obviously have those connections there. Does it more, is it more being familiar with the area? Is it more having relationships with high school coaches? Is it a sum of all the parts? What kind of goes into, or what is the key element of having a good prowess in a certain area when it comes to recruiting? All the above, I think, uh, knowing where the players are, knowing where the hidden gems are, knowing where the great restaurants are when you go recruit <laughs> so you're happy, knowing um, knowing the assistant coach at the school that actually is more important than the head coach in terms of what his players think and whose advice they seek, uh, knowing the assistant principal that's a Gamecock fan that might help you out a little bit. You know, I, I think when, when you're going in – and you're you don't have those ties you're just going in blind it's kind of like even you know even going into a school to interview players chris can probably speak to this too i always felt like if it was a place i've like been before and i know the coach and and all that it's just a lot more laid back a lot more informal Mm -hmm. you know you might get a little tour of what all they're doing and all this stuff coach is going to take care of you when you go into a school that you've never been in, you've never met the coach, and you they just have exchanged a text message with you or something, you kind of go in there, you're kind of trying to get your bearings. You don't know where the front office is. Some coaches are by the book. Got to go to the front. Got to put your ID in that little thing. Got to give them to print off a thing that you put on you, and then you got to be walked down to the office, or to the, to the coach's office, I should say. Some head coaches are, hey, man, come around back. Just tap on the PE door, I'll let you in. So just knowing all those things goes a long way. And then you just have that additional kind of – it's not that you're going to land all these guys. Sure. It's the head coach saying, oh, yeah, that's my guy. You can trust him. Whatever he tells you is legit. It it, it more gets you in the game. It gets it gets those guys on campus, I, I think, as much as anything. Yeah, you hit it a good point. You know, knowing who's important in the recruitment. And, you know, if, if you're a coach at South Carolina, you know, you got to know people down in South. You're not going to go down to South Florida just as a – I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Just as kind of an like an outcast, like a almost a foreigner, a random person, and go down there and just start recruiting kids from South Florida. It's a little bit of a different animal. If you talk to people who've recruited down there and done it for several years, it's it's just a little different, you know. Um, and so you got to have some ties. You got to know who's important. I mean, nowadays in college football, if you're recruiting somebody, you're recruiting the kid, their high school coaches, whether that's the head coach, position coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, their parents, the aunt and uncle, the brother, sister, um, and there's trainers. There's 
handlers. There's NIL agents now in high school ball. So you got to know how to navigate all that. And if you have kind of the, the cheat sheet, if you kind of have the playbook to where you know who's important in this region, which guys do they have, you can get a head start and you've got that trust level to where it's going to be easier to get kids. There was one at South Carolina, guys. Remember when uh, when uh, the Ridley kid who had committed to South Carolina – uh, in the 2016 class, James Coley flipped him to Georgia, South Florida kid. You know, it, he just – that's the type of things that he can – he's able to get done. Absolutely, and we'll see what James Coley brings to this South Carolina staff. Um, and we'll obviously continue to stay updated on all the coaching happenings within South Carolina football. Switch gears coming up. Uh, it was a rough night for South Carolina basketball. Heading on the road to Tuscaloosa last night. We'll react to that coming up. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on The Game TV. Morris made both free throws, and that will do it. Horn sounds, ball game over. Gamecocks the half leading throughout most of the first half get absolutely run over by the crimson tide your final score is 74 to 47 carolina falls to 13 and 2 1 and 1 in sec play and will turn their attention to the missouri tigers next Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you on this Wednesday morning. Let's call last night on the Gamecocks Radio Network. Derek Scott on the road in Tuscaloosa as Al- or, uh, excuse me, South Carolina basketball falls to Alabama 74-47 to for their second loss of the season. And unfortunately, it was uh, an ugly one. Now, this was a game that was only a one-point differential at halftime. South Carolina down 30-29, to but the second half was a completely different story, getting outscored 44-18 to for what was obviously the worst loss of the season and one that uh, brought South Carolina to, uh, back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, they, they got out of sorts, obviously. And I, I think, I mean, you could almost sort of sense it even in the first half, man, because Alabama was not hitting shots. They were not playing all that well. And this is a, a Bama team that came in, you know, averaging over 90 points a game, and you just were like, man, they, they are explosive offensively. They score a bunch of points, so you're going to have to kind of limit them a little bit based on what you expect from them from their season averages. South Carolina did that, but then was not really able to take advantage of it in the first half, I, I felt like. And so South Carolina was turning the ball over. Their shots weren't falling either. Even it felt like when they were getting good shots, uh, they just were not going in. And, you know, they they looked like they didn't quite have their legs, you know, I, I feel like as far as their, their jump shots. And so that's kind of what you're going to have with this team. I've I've seen a take floating around of, hey, you know, this, this is a, a team that's going to live and die with, uh, you know, the three-pointer and, and jump shots. And... That take is passed off as being, like, some big negative. Sure. But, I mean, in some ways, y- yeah. that That's how they've gotten to where they are right now. You, um, at least at this point in Lamont Paris's tenure, and if we're going to have, like, if we're going to be honest, probably not ever, you're not going to be able to recruit the guys that are just, you know, you're just going to say, oh, there's four and five stars across the board. <laughs> the SEC has gotten better and better. You're not going to be able to build a team that can just traditionally just line up and say, hey, I'm just going to win one-on-ones. So, yeah, you're going to have to be a team that relies on hitting three-pointers, at least at this point in the process. That is kind of what you do. 
Right. And so to me, you're going to have some nights like this, but you just have to live with it. It doesn't mean you give up on the season. No, not at all. And look, Alabama's one of the best teams in the country. Look at their record. Yes, they have five losses, but they've played a murderer's row of teams in their non-conference and are still regarded as one of the best teams in the nation. We look at the net rankings. You mentioned that first half, and these two teams are trading turnovers back and forth. Alabama has struggled with turnovers this year. It seemed to me that South Carolina, instead of kind of settling in and trying to play the slow-paced type of offense that they predicated themselves on this year, one of the slower-paced offenses in all the SEC, they tried to match Alabama in terms of that speed and up-tempo, which South Carolina is just not good at and that came back to bite him and then just couldn't score in the first six minutes of the first or the second half there Alabama went out to that huge lead in the second half and that was kind of all she wrote from there and again just kind of struggled down the stretch so you know again you you don't want to lose games but at the same time sometimes a loss like this is good to be able to look in the mirror saying okay here's what we're good at here's what we're not good at and here's what we kind of need to improve on going forward because you're going to face many more tough teams in the SEC not just Alabama Tennessee coming down the road you took on a very good Mississippi State team this past weekend that you uh, that you did beat, but um, you know, uh, hopefully this will kind of serve as that humbling loss that South Carolina can reassess themselves and be stronger going forward because of it. Well, one of the biggest improvements in this team from last season to this season is that ability to shoot. You've brought in, you got Michi Johnson, who has taken the next step as a player, and even last year showed flashes of what he can do as a shooter. Then you bring in Miles Studi, who can shoot the three ball. He had a, he had a tough night last night. Obviously, didn't score, but he can shoot the three ball. B.J. Mack, as a big man, can shoot from outside. Talon Cooper can shoot from outside. So you've brought several guys into your program. I mean, three of those guys I just mentioned didn't play for South Carolina last year, and so they have used that tool in their tool belt to be able to help them win some games this year. And we talked about that constantly last year. There were plenty of problems with the team as to why they weren't very effective in terms of wins and losses. One of the big ones was they're not great at shooting outside. They need to increase their shooting presence. When you do that, when you take more shots, there are going to be some nights where you don't have great shooting nights. And and so this obviously was one of them. They got off to a hot start. They cooled down in the second half. What were they? I don't know. Six of 27, you know, 22% from the field. Yeah, hard to win when you shoot that poorly. Conversely, you had Aaron Sears. The basket looked huge for him. You know, he he had, had, I think, six three-pointers in the game. And if you go back and look at South Carolina's other loss this season, the Clemson game, that was a very close game. What was the difference? You had a couple three-pointers that just didn't quite go down, and that was really it. And so – uh, this isn't a team that's – South Carolina team's not in, in a position, to your point, Wes, where they can just go dominate people. They are going to have to get shots to fall, but they do have the ability to shoot, and that's helped keep them competitive so far. You mentioned the handful of guys that weren't on the team a year ago, and four of South Carolina's five starters are all new transfers. Michi Johnson transferring in two years ago from Ohio State, and this is an interesting point because this this really is the first bit of adversity they faced as a group. And again, they've played well, you know, when things are going well and winning all these games, minus the one game against Clemson that they lost, but it was a close game, you know, at the end there. It's going to be interesting to see how this group responds to adversity given the fact that they are playing together as a, as a first-time unit, and Coach Perry 
Harris, you know, mentioned it last night in his post game. They saw a lot of things that hadn't reared its ugly head as of yet. So again, now you have a couple days to to reassess things. We're going on the road to Missouri, a team that's reeling a little bit right now. But regardless, taking that trip out to Missouri, it's a long trip and a tough trip, uh, no matter how good or bad that Missouri team is, and seeing if you can get back on track and not letting Alabama beat you twice. Yeah, and I, I don't think you're worried about this group a ton, like as far as just getting down on themselves. Have they played a ton of games together at this point? Of course not. Have they, a lot of them, played a lot of ball? Yes. And so you you have veterans. I think they have the right mindsets. And, you know, basketball, when when you're on, this is a team that when they are on and hitting shots, they look like a true actual tournament team. And then if they're not, they, they look like they did last night. And winning games on the road in this conference is going to be incredibly difficult throughout this entire conference slate. So I'd also go back to taking advantage of that home opener against Mississippi State, finding a way to win, even when you you kind of felt like it was slipping away towards the end of that game at times, getting that win so where you're, you're sitting here at one and one, you did everything you needed to do and out of conference, and you kind of just keep yourself in the fight, I, I think. So – I wouldn't panic if I'm a South Carolina fan. I do think there will be some moments in conference play where you're going to kind of get brought back down to earth. Is this an upper SEC-level team at this point in the build? Probably not. Is this still an incredibly improved team over what we saw last year? Absolutely. So I'll be curious to see how they can keep building as they go along. And I I think you're seeing some things from individuals too. Colin Murray Boyles, as he gets more and more comfortable, I think he's going to be huge for this team as the season progresses. Coach Paris very animated last night in his uh, post-game presser, and you'll have an opportunity to hear from him once again coming up tomorrow night with Carolina Calls at 6 o'clock right here on the game, uh, which will lead you into coverage of South Carolina women's basketball as they take on Missouri tomorrow night at 7.30, a tip at 8 o'clock right here on the game. We'll wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Up next here on the game, the 107.5 The Game app and streaming live on the game TV. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you for a couple more minutes as we've now turned the calendar over to a new year, we get back into recruiting and looking ahead to future classes with South Carolina. A pretty notable name getting set to come to campus in a couple weeks at the start of February, that being five-star linebacker Zayden Walker out of South Georgia. And obviously he has a list of the usual suspects when it comes to what you expect out of a five-star that are after him, the Georgias, the Florida States, Miami, teams like that. But this particular five-star has a connection to South Carolina already, that being his brother, Jalou Solomon, who just came in with this past class that could potentially give South Carolina the inside track on yet another five-star. Yeah, nice little in for the Gamecocks there. Are are your Georgia Bulldogs the the favorite here, I, Tyler, I, I hear I hear they're leading at this point in time. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough, obviously, to, to get guys out of that state that Georgia wants, but... Yeah, it's kind of like we were talking about earlier with getting into South Florida and what what do your ties do for you? In this case, this tie gets him on campus, and it's gotten him on campus for you before. I think I think he was here when Solomon took his official visit as well and kind of got a little unofficial official visit, sort of, Yep, being involved with the family there. And so 
yeah, if you're if you're South Carolina, you have a good story to sell here. You can obviously sell the family on on being able to watch both of your kids play at once. And unlike a lot of these cases where maybe there's three or four years in between the two brothers and it really doesn't, there's not a ton of overlap, there there would be potentially quite a bit of overlap here in terms of their college playing careers. So I, I think Georgia, outside looking in, Georgia will be tough to beat, but don't don't count out the Gamecocks here either. He's been to Georgia, according to Chad Simmons, our guy from On3, does a great job covering recruiting in the southeast across the country 10 times or so. So, uh, and, and, you know, you look at the On3 RPM, the recruiting prediction machine, Georgia's sitting at 80%, and obviously ton of competition here. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is you do have the family tie. You do have the fact that South Carolina's going to get – the last visit of this, you know, kind of January to February slate. He's going to FSU, then Miami, and then South Carolina. Georgia gets the first one here in about three days this weekend. Um, so we'll see, you know, how things shake out. I, I agree with y'all. I mean, Georgia, the perceived front runner for a reason. But can South Carolina make a move? Possibly. We'll see. Well, it goes back to what you guys said when we were talking about James Coley, you know, you're not only recruiting the individual player themselves, you're recruiting their high school coaches, you know, their um, you know, family, and not not every recruit is going to have a five-star, you know, little brother playing linebacker in the cycle behind them, but sometimes that thing does happen, and it can obviously end up playing to an advantage, so we'll see what happens there, but, um, you know, excited to see what, uh, what could potentially become of this and, you know, continue what has been a pretty good track record for Beamer and company as far as these five stars they've already been able to land and potentially ones going forward as well. Yeah, no doubt. And Chris, do you, do you think he's ultimately a true linebacker? Do you think he's an edge rush guy? Um, obviously, super athletic. I haven't really had a chance to dive into to that projection there, but I, I believe I've seen him kind of listed as as both potentially. Yeah. I think he's either like a hybrid type guy. Um, you know, listed on three six one and a half, so. If you think of him as an end, you know, maybe a little bit more of a tweener, but I, I think if you think of him as kind of like a will linebacker who can go, you can move him around, he can rush the passer, I think that's probably a good spot for him. And you know, Schley County was really, really good um, this year. I think they lost in the state title game narrowly, and Jalewis Solomon had a big year for them, and so did Zayden Walker. I mean, this is a guy that plays some running back for them, just a super, super athlete. And, um, you know, ranked as the number one linebacker in Georgia or number one linebacker in the country by the on three industry ranking, which averages out, you know, all the rankings, number three prospect in Georgia and number nine overall in the country. So, yeah, big, big time good. player. Pretty good. Pretty good. Looking yeah. at and looking at size listed as uh, six, one and a half, two twenty five, just a little bit on the shorter side compared to what, you know, you look at the other linebackers, South Carolina, um, you know, has on the roster. So I don't know if that affects things at all but um you know all the other measurables seem to kind of play out for for what you would like in and what South Carolina already has on the roster at that spot yeah as a as a true linebacker so I uh either way man you can get a guy like that on your campus that's obviously something to celebrate and then you just kind of try to keep pushing those family ties and and see what you can do there but I mean it, it's not easy to or it's not hard for Gamecock fans to kind of start to take that leap of all right pair this guy up with a Dylan Stewart within your front seven, and uh, you're kind of working with something there.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.